I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. And I'm Will. And you're listening to The Crusading Couch. Went a bit uh, Buck Rogers with you two there. Which is is pretty cool. Buck Buck Rogers in the 25th century, I believe. And today we're going to be talking about. Uh, I believe we're talking about what do you look for in a player? Uh, as a DM. As a DM. Or as another player. Or as another player. We're going to be looking at it in both uh, perspectives. And maybe yeah. you'll gain some reflections on yourself. Indeed. Hopefully, um, this will help you improve uh, in all walks of life. But mostly role-playing. Uh, we're also going to talk about how you can uh, instill these ideals... Virtues, virtues, uh, traits, traits word. passions. How you can get your players uh, to adopt these uh, practices, basically. Uh, so, how do we want to kick things off? Dun, 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 dun. Right. So, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I really uh, like want as a GM is I want players to read the setting material. I want players to understand the world. I want them, hopefully, to ask me questions about the world too. Okay, so I need to clarify a point here. You produce a lot of material either online or in person in the form of broadcasts or news reports or... Yes, I have in the past done news reports for uh, settings. Overheard rumours and and, and things like that. Is that the kind of setting material you're talking about? Are you actually talking about like the the officially provided... Both, all of that. All of that. So like for Eclipse Phase, I'm talking about reading the Sunwood books and the Rimwood books, uh, which are pretty much all just, this is what Mars is like. So you like your players to be immersed. Indeed, I, I really like immersion. From that, hopefully, invested. Yeah, because I believe that would be your phone. I know not what you speak Are of. Are we going to ignore it? Yeah, if it's important, they'll call back. All right. Cool. I mean, I, anyway. So yes, we're talking about it. Yeah. So I, I like. I put a lot of um, stock in world building, uh, and I think that that is a really one of the key points, obviously there are other key points, of a good story is having a, a, a uh, fully fleshed out world. Do you like, to take a, you like the players to take that on board? Indeed. I, I don't want players constantly uh, ask, making assumptions that they wouldn't be making if they had comprehended the setting material. Well, there's two parts to this as well. I mean, naturally, if you go to all the effort of creating your world, you want your players to put in the time and energy to actually look over what you have provided. Yeah, you, you want your effort validated. That's that's another point of that too, I guess. But then you also want to create this environment where players, once they have the know-how and understanding, they can take it and run with it and the interesting directions that can take your game. But we've all been in a situation as a player, yep. not just as a DM, but as a player, which is mainly the perspective that I'm taking from this right now. Well, you have more experience as a player. Right. Um, where you have been invested yeah. 
and other players in your party have not been invested. And that this is kind of like a tangential note to immersion. Yeah, that's fine. But how, apart from immersion, or just sort of saying, you really should read this, how do you make a player invested in the world? I mean, I was hoping to get back to that. We can do that in the flow. Um, one of the most obvious ways to try and encourage players to read source material uh, and to try and seek out immersion is to, and I'm not a huge fan of this, uh, is to provide rewards for doing it. I don't like, I, I feel like you shouldn't have to incentivize good behavior. Uh, I feel like it should be it should be its own reward, but that's not the way human nature works. I mean, uh, I love a dog treat as much as the next man. Yeah, like some some players want want that uh, plus one to religion checks for having read the uh, three uh, A four sheets that I wrote on religion, uh, as opposed to just having the benefit of having read that and been. But I mean, if that immersed. gets them in there and it just wanted to read it, then I would consider. I, I, I mean, there's a, a, a it's probably an overall win. Hey, Indeed. I'd say from a DMing um, perspective, if you have to provide some kind of reward, like a plus one to religion, yeah. as you say, for having read the source material that talks about these religious texts, then good on you. Personally, I'm more incentivized, if we're going to use this word. I don't think it's a word. Incentivized is a word. I don't think it is. Anyway, well, uh, having worked in a marketing position, incentivized is totally a word. Anyway, if you know, please let yeah, us please, know. Yeah, please leave a comment. It's about totally a word. It is a term. I do not accept Urban Dictionary as a source reference. Uh, if you know Raymond is right, do not let us know. <laughs> Have you never heard the term <laughs> to incentivize employees? To provide incentive is no. to incentivize. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> the, the negative ramifications of not receiving something that you may have received within the mechanics of the game because you didn't read the source material is 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 more of a push so you're arguing that uh, a penalty for not reading the material exactly ah but you can get into the tricky situation with this where that does not encourage some players to yeah. want to read more and they just well, I'm not talking about other players, I'm talking about me. I'm okay. talking about That's... if I'm the player that you're DMing for, then this penalty for laziness mm. is more effective than a reward Lord. for Kim prefers punishment rather than incentive. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting um, because we've all re we're all uh, going to be starting playing Pendragon uh, soon uh, and I was talking to Kim and he and he was very frank with me uh, which I, I, I don't I, I quite like in a person uh, and he said I'm not going to read the rule books so I need you to explain to me how the game worked I'm just like you really need to read the rule books because I can't explain all of this you're like if you don't read them then you're going to miss out on how best like you're going to miss out on uh, advantages that might be on offer to your yeah. character and that's and I was like Oh, yeah. and that, advantages, and so I read. We started reading the rule books. Kim realised that if he didn't read the rule books, he might not be able to make the most effective knight. Because this system is—it's very much born out of D and D. Kind of, but it's also a lot different to a lot of other systems. Oh, what, what I, I when I you meant, mean it's, you mean it's, 
you mean it is mechanics based. It's uh, yeah, it subcri- it subscribes to that same uh, school of storytelling. It's a a simulationist game. So a simulationist game relies heavily on mechanics uh, generally. Billy, do you have a thing that you look for in players? Take the focus off me. <laughs> oh, it's kind of similar. I really look for enthusiasm, really. Like, in a yeah. similar uh, thing to immersion, but I want people who want to be there and want to have fun. Yeah. Be prepared to sort of go the extra mile. I want people who want to get immersed in your story and actually start taking it in their own direction, putting their own personal oh, spin on it. Players that, that, uh, that help steer the game, that's what I want. Like, as long as they steer it where I want it to go. Yeah, but you've got to be prepared for them to... If you're going to be prepared for them to steer it, you've got to be prepared for it to go somewhere that you don't want it to go, or to have some kind of mechanism to get it back on track. Some kind of mechanism to get it back on track that is a deus ex machina. It can be done without it being a deus ex machina. Indeed, but my point is it can't just be... Oh, yeah. You you You, play a dangerous game if you start relying on... You have to accept... uh, the player's olive branch. Uh, but that's more a uh, good GM advice, which we will get to in a later podcast. We're planning uh, tips for GMs. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely with you on that enthusiasm. Like, there are some people that go to games simply because all their friends are going. And, I mean, that's a reasonable reason to join. But as a GM, you want players that are actually interested in your story. Um that's one that's hard to incentivize. That's more of a they are or they aren't kind of situation. Indeed. You can you can tell people as much Although, as you want, or you can try and generate that enthusiasm. But at the end of the day, it depends entirely on the player. Something I've been experimenting with recently, and feel free to chime in whenever, Kim, uh, is I've been asking players what they want to get out of the game, like actually formally asking them. Um, what themes do you want to explore? What kind of game are you, do you expect this to be? Those kinds of questions. Think of questions. I, I certainly think so. Pat on the back for Ravens. Yeah. A round <laughs> of applause. But there was a point uh, that you raised before, just before, yeah. in fact, that I'm now mm. trying to remember. Incent- trying to incentivize that in play? Uh... No, it was to do with... Oh, yeah, the social aspect of... of oh, no, that, that's right. Uh, so Yeah, let's not get into the discussion on commitment. <laughs> no, that's not where I'll I was going to take this. It was, it was all going to do with, like, you, you, there's a separate issue and basically, like, a, a run-of-the-mill sort of social how-do-I-deal-with-this issue about when you've got a player in your game and they, it's obvious that they just want to hang out with their friends who are also playing the game. Yeah and they're not invested in your thing. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is providing information to your players prior to starting the campaign or even like for a one-shot, which you do quite well, Raymond. Yeah, right. Providing information to make sure that people are actually interested yeah, so what they were about to do. I ran a science fiction game a few years ago. Um, it was only four or five runs. Uh, and it was the players were playing as elite soldiers that were going to this invasion. And I started six weeks before 
I started doing um, little news posts in because we organise our uh, games through Facebook. This uh, was last year. It was not last year. Is Surely, this, was, this was year? like two or three Is years this ago. Street Samurai. It was yeah. two or three years ago. Street Samurai because of the yeah issues right. would have been the beginning of last year in February. It was not. Anyway, anyway, irrelevant. You were saying info bites. Indeed. So I, I would post news articles, and uh, if anyone's familiar with Starship Troopers, I sort of did a "Would you like to know more?" thing, where players could type in keywords from the news article, and that would generate it would generate the appearance of a computer replying with more information. But it was obviously just me typing it out. What? Uh, I know. And so I did. I did. Uh, it's been taken. I've torn down the curtain. Uh, there's just a man behind it. Yeah, so we had those news articles that popped up. Um, I, I did really enjoy that. It's harder yeah. to do... But that's kind of... You can't do the same thing for a um, medieval game. You'd well, have to... You, you could do a similar thing, but it's not know, as... You could have, like, town bulletins or something like that. Questioning the messenger Yeah, I guess. Or you have, like... I guess... It's just, like, rumours that you heard from the innkeeper yeah. this week. Yeah. Oh, X, Y, Z, and then you can question the innkeep for the pump screen. a game uh, in the same way. I guess you can do it that way. I guess it, it just seems more immersive with the whole uh, keywords. Well, cons way well considering that, 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 that that's the way that you're actually going about it in terms of uh, you're mediating this through a computational device, yeah. allegedly to a computer device, and then you get a response through that same device. Yep. That it actually seems more immersive because the mechanics are already there rather than you're talking to an innkeep through Facebook. Yeah, like what's the innkeep on Facebook? Yeah, exactly. Ye Whereas you olde Facebook! You have to... Facebook! Let's put it on Pirate Yeah, thing. well, yeah. mine says ye old Facebook because I have it on Pirate Well, you have it on, so you have it on Pirate. Keep doing it. All over this. It's great. I will also say, to bring this back slightly to what makes a good player from a storyteller perspective, is obviously you want them to know the rules, but oh, you don't yeah. want them to... You, the last thing, or something that's quite enjoyable, is when you have a player who knows or thinks they know everything and is not shy about telling you when you're wrong, I believe, regardless of I if they are correct or not. I believe not. the terms associated with that kind of player are either grognard or rules lawyer. Because I've been, in, I've been in games as a player where one of the other players has been arguing with the DM for a extended period of time. She's like, who gives a fuck, guys? Yeah, you Give just up, move on. That doesn't it. really matter all that much. It just I mean, really kills it. There's, um, this recently, Billy and I both saw this post recently about relating to this very topic. Um, and there's a there's, in most games now, there's a section in the Game Master section of the rulebook where it talks about don't let the mechanics of the game get in the way of the actual storytelling. Um, and what it means there is not disregard all rules the minute you don't like them. Hack the planet. Hack the planet. It means... Uh, it's, it's... Don't... Hmm, how to phrase this? If you don't understand, if you can't remember the rule, don't stop the game immediately uh, and go and spend a half hour searching for the rule. Like if you don't can't remember the exact spot that rule is, don't go uh, look it up. Just 
go with your gut on what you think is the best course. Uh, things like that. And then go back and look at it later. And obviously. look at it after the game. Like, so it's okay to point out between games. Okay, so in the last game, I did a rule wrong. It's not like, um, it's not the same as retconning to change a rule once you realise it's wrong. That's completely different. Okay, so but are you saying this that this is a thing that players should also do? I was just bringing it up because yeah. it's related. No, this, this, this comes back to though, a good player. Like, if yeah, that's true. one of your players, for whatever reason, has forgotten a rule, yeah. do you as a storyteller, do you prefer them, do you just then wing it? Uh, or no, so no, the no, GM no, should be the, ask you. The yeah, GM okay. should be the arbiter of the rules. If the player can't remember a rule for like how one of their powers works, and, and the DM doesn't know the rule, and, the and neither the of rule. them know exactly where it is, then the DM the DM makes, makes the call the makes because the, the DM yeah. is probably going to be the person that knows the most about the rules. Although that is not always the case. Um, I recently played in a game where. I recently ran a game where two of the players knew far more about the game's mechanics than I did. Uh, we were running Star Wars. Um, that went alright. I stuck to a lot of sourcing. I stuck to a lot of stuff that was provided in the books to avoid fucking it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the point there is don't don't um, don't hold up play so that you as the player can be the rules lawyer guy who gets to be right. Like that whole. That whole mentality of stopping the, like, arguing with the DM about the rules, that doesn't come from a place, I don't think, although I'm willing to be told I'm wrong here. I don't really think that comes from a place of, you want to have the most fun, you want to be right. And it also potentially sidesteps into a game where the environment is more players versus the storyteller. Yeah, I really hate that mentality. Yeah, you're all playing with the world together, basically. Like, yeah. One of them's the creator and the others are the perceivers. Yeah, like there's a... But, in the old school... The old school way of running a game is the GM is the enemy. Um, which I understand how that can arise. But it's far more, it's far better if the players, and the GM especially, are thinking of it as, uh... There's a lot of tropes that surround the, it's, GMs thinking of the, the G devil, like, yeah. they're there to fuck you up. You've made this awesome character and he is there to tear you down. The better way to think of it is as to put the GM in the place of the person that provides obstacles to make your character's story more interesting, narratively. That's certainly where I come from. I'm not throwing stuff at the players to try and kill them. I'm throwing stuff at the players to try and provide a challenge. Although... Sometimes those can be the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it can appear the same. Um, if you've been listening to our Wild Talents game, uh, it might have seemed like I was purposely trying to kill Liam's character, who was almost indestructible, but it was just that I wasn't able to present a reasonable challenge. Uh, he just kept on walking through everything that I could throw at him. Uh, but that's... We're getting a bit sidetracked there. Um, Something I was going to say uh, about what makes good plays is I've just forgotten, but the other one is... Are we talking about cheating in this I one? was going to bring up cheating because briefly. that is Obviously, a big one for me. Um, yeah, I... I have cheated in games before. Um, I don't... I don't regret it. Uh, it's just not something that I really want to do again. Um, it's I have a better understanding of uh, the way the game is played and things like that now. That uh, I don't feel I need to cheat uh, in order to enjoy the game. But if when you're 
I know that for me as a player, um, when I did cheat, uh, it came not in my first games or even my first campaign. It came up in my second campaign, uh, and it was more about pushing at the boundaries, see how far I can push this, uh, and things like that. And then eventually it was like, well, this just isn't fun. Um, and so I stopped doing it because I realized that it was, of, it wasn't really making the game more enjoyable for me. Uh, it was not offering me anything. Uh, it was actually pointless to cheat. Uh, Billy has said it before. Mm. I'll even let you say it. I'm pretty sure you know what I'm going to say. I don't know what you think of this. Uh, you, 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 you say it and I'll recall it. And then I'll go, yes! You've said before uh, that it is more interesting uh, yes. if your character <laughs> fails. Uh, ah, that was the other thing I was going to say but I forgot before was that I really like players who aren't afraid to do things that will be detrimental to their characters and they know it will be detrimental to their characters. But they feel that that's what they do and it, just, it makes it so much more interesting yeah. than other players who will go out of their way to avoid any danger coming to their character if they can help it and, you know, just try to protect themselves, essentially. This comes to an interesting point for me um, as a GM and also as a player. I like players that are, uh, similar to Billy, I like players that are not going to... Players that aren't afraid of their character dying. That's something, and we have a whole, whole, whole episode planned on this. Yeah, we have a whole episode planned about not being precious about your character. Indeed. A whole anyway. episode. Yeah, whole episode. Uh... But, my point was, um, and I've completely forgotten my point. God damn it. What were we talking it about? It's so good, it's just escaped your mind. We're talking about precious characters. Before that. Not right? afraid to do things to their detriment? Yes. No. Uh, and to fail. Uh, but another thing is, and along that lines, like Billy was talking about um, players that aren't afraid to do things to their detriment. I'm fully on board with that, except with a tiny tweak. I really like players that recognise that they are playing a game with a group of people and that, for the most part, that group of people needs to be together. Um, so sometimes you'll have player character conflict arise where two player characters will be in conflict. Um, now, the GM might uh, have laid the seeds for this to come up. As a GM, although I haven't really done this, uh, although it is going to come up because I'm running Better Angels, um, when I, and I think other GMs are similar, when those situations come up, I think it should be understood by everyone involved that the end result is that the characters continue to work together. Now, that doesn't mean that the situation gets resolved or even that they like each other, but the game shouldn't fall apart. Uh, the party, if it is a party game, shouldn't dissolve. It shouldn't be that the only way to move forward in that situation is one of the characters has to leave. Um, you can have characters that continue working together even though they hate each other's guts because it might be that it's just those two characters that hate each other and none of the other characters in the group. There is a whole plentitude of ways that you Indeed. can keep that going. And I think that... Uh, I think that that's something that players should understand um, that that it is as much as it is you guys playing roles it is still a game and a cooperative game with everyone we're including the um, character conflict not spilling over to actual players in our precious section aren't we 
Yeah, we will. That is a really interesting. Yeah, um, character players that actually anything that your character does in character to another character, don't take it personally. Unless, I mean, sometimes people if they're doing it to obviously and unashamedly yeah. be a dick to you. Sometimes people will want to be an asshole to another person, and they will do it through the. It, it, uh, it falls into a similar concept uh, with computer gaming of griefing. People do grief in role playing games. They'll fuck up your system just to fuck up your system. Um, I don't think I've ever really had a problem with that. Yeah, I can't think of a situation where I've done it or seen it happen, but... Apart um, from that Kim kid. No, fucking Kim, man. I don't know why we play with him. Oh, Kingdom Quest. (laughs) Always trying to get you guys killed. Didn't like you. Eight bashing damage. Yeah, axes. (laughs) Damage is multiplied by the the, the weapon. That's not an addition to the dice pool. That's a multiplier. Oh... I could have been a better player in that Arcanum game. That's a conversation for I had, time. I had a bit of trouble. The short Actually, answer is, no, it's not yes. because it's totally, okay. it's totally, it's totally re- relevant to the topic. It's, it's, um, it's, it's totally relevant here. It's something that I, it's something that we've actually already kind of touched on. Is yeah. players that go with the thing? With yeah, I had real trouble. Yeah. letting go of. Yeah, you did. Letting go of my of, of where you of where you want to take this, but that game was slightly different. It was yeah. working to a pre-destined. Yeah, that get, and yeah. we all knew this going in. And it was, yeah, we all knew it going in. And but I, I trying to make a mechanical yeah. change, adapt another system. New World of Darkness was the system to a computer yeah. role-playing game, which had computer role-playing game motifs, it had computer role-playing game mechanics, and it had computer role-playing game plot style and conversation style, Mm. where some of this kind of stuff basically relies on the fact that your character, unbeknownst to you, is making conclusions about a particular situation that the player isn't necessarily making. Now, because we're human and not a predestined story told in a role-playing system that we can think laterally and outside the box and do all of this unpredictable stuff. The main conflict for me, because I don't have a problem following predetermined quest paths... The main conflict for me was the um, fact that, and it was a totally admirable thing to do, Kim wanted to use the provided dialogue the way it was said. Kind of. But that's not the way that I want to have conversations. Uh, And so there was a lot of situations where Kim was reading his script and I wasn't hitting the cues for Kim's script and that led to me being frustrated. Like there were times where I would introduce myself to the... To the character that we were having a conversation with and I would bring up things in my speech and then Kim would look for the uh, one that best addressed what I said uh, but wouldn't address everything I said and then like three or four uh, minutes into the conversation they would bring up something that I'd pointed out previously and that really bugged me uh, but in all honesty it was only Kim's second game that he'd ever run so um, and there was only two games in that previous campaign indeed so, so Kim didn't have a lot of experience it was, it was certainly a special case this one indeed um, but yeah I I, I for whatever which kind of brings in the idea of DMs having a, a <clears throat> role in the creative generation of the world that they're actually running in or and almost second nature understanding mm. of the law that surrounds it. Yeah. 
so that you don't say something that makes no sense. So there's lots of uh, role-playing systems. I'm actually getting a better appreciation for this that are designed to operate in specific worlds. Yeah. yeah. Before, I was just like, okay, a system is a system that has mechanics, and you use the mechanic of a particular role-playing system to run the world that you want to run. Even though these worlds actually have, even though these mechanics, these systems have worlds that come attached to them. Yeah, or you even don't necessarily need to use that it that way. Yeah. Example, Arcanum Quest with New World of Darkness. I use the New World of Darkness to run a thing yeah. in a completely different world. Completely, completely different genre. The genre, completely unassociated with, with, with this thing. And mechanically, it worked fairly well. It worked, yeah. it worked enough. Um, but we're all experienced players, at least. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely... It was not ideal. No. And that's... that's. Well, we've actually thought that Iron Heroes would have probably been a better system. Yeah, actually. Subsequently. Oh my god, Iron Heroes. Anyway, my the, favorite point, the, the, system. The, the point is, is that some systems allow you to tweak the world <laughs> or, 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 or design your own world and actually run it that way. Um... For example, Realms of Light. Yeah, um, I would not run Realms of Light again in World of Darkness. Okay, um, fair enough. I'd probably run it in something else. Anyway, that was a DM-generated universe. Oh, so much content for that. That used an alternative mechanic, New World of Darkness, yeah. to, to, to run it. And, and that kind of worked as well. So... It's not impossible, but either you generate your own world in a system that allows world generation, or you become very intimately familiar with... I'm really interested in seeing how Kim links this back to the topic. Very intimately familiar with... (laughs) What a dick. (laughs) Very intimately familiar with the universe uh, that is provided in the system. Now, this was going somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> I was really hoping you'd have a segue set up where you'd go, and that links back I to... I have a segue. What were we talking about time. before? That's really what it links so back to. So we were talking about Raymond was uh, talking about how he was having as a player a bit of trouble. Yeah, I, I hadn't and managed to uh, internalize... Like I, oh, I'd, yeah, it's really good advice for a DM to follow one of those two things. Either you design the world in a system that allows you to Or you obtain worlds, full comprehension you, of yeah, the world. Yeah, 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 so yeah, with yeah, the players, yeah, exactly. what I want to talk about is what is what makes a good player or the best player when they find themselves in a situation they are not happy with. Yeah. Uh, how they what deal is, what is, Yeah, how they deal with it. How do they approach well, in a run, What do you want? In a run, you buck up and you finish the run as best But you if can. it's a thing that keeps Agreed. coming up, you bring it up you with the storyteller. You then bring it up with the storyteller at the end of that run, run and say, hey man, I was really pissed off in that run about XYZ. Hmm. Hopefully the storyteller takes that on board and makes adjustments... Uh, Arcanium Quest is something people brought up issues. I adjusted. I addressed, they liked it. I addressed uh, the conversation thing, but it was harder. It was a harder thing for you to tweak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was mainly referring to the combat thing. So oh, people, yeah. people were unhappy with the way that I was doing combat in the first couple of runs. Oh yeah, and the then changed the way that combat was done to suit the system that I was using better. Yeah, and you streamlined and it the dungeons. Really well. And the players were happy, so they had an issue with combat. They fought through the combat that I'd planned for that run without complaint. At the end of the run, 
issues were raised about the combat, the combat was tweaked, and then the players were happy. Yeah. That's yeah. what should happen. So, yeah. But if it is an immovable object, like the player goes to the DM and says, hey... I don't like steampunk. It's like, well, why did you join the yeah, Arcanum yeah, yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, if it is a fundamental opposition to one of the core premises of the game that you're running, then that player's got to go. Like, that player's got to leave. Like, you, the, the yeah. DM can't change that. They can't fix yeah. this for you because you've entered into this game erroneously under false conceptions and in, you need to fuck yeah. off. In my Realms of Light campaign, which was a low-ish, probably better described as medium fantasy setting using New World of Darkness, um, one of the players wanted to play... Uh, a, a demon cultist basically somebody that worshipped demons and for various reasons that I don't particularly wish to get into uh, that did not fit within the world they had demons within their mythology but they were not things that anyone worshipped now that could be adjusted in the setting obviously but I had already locked in that they weren't going to be uh, demon worshippers and I had behind-the-scenes reasons that I felt were justified for why this was. Um, that I felt that if I explained them would kind of unravel some of the mystery of the setting. Um, could have been handled differently, but it was. But the player in question really had trouble accepting that I didn't want them to play as a uh, demon cultist, um, and. That links to what... Then the reason I bring this up is because it was similar to what Kim was talking about. Yeah. How, um, if, yeah. You, if, you, you if the player has failed to understand the principles of the game, then it's up yeah. And this can happen more than you think as well. It's particularly when you have, as you mentioned before, players who want to play for social reasons. Yeah. Uh, get into a game and then find there's this fundamental opposition. But then also don't want to leave because, because of they, social reasons. Dealing with that... This is not something I have had actually any experience with, but... It's still a point that you can, you can see happening. Indeed. Happy. Um, well, hopefully, I have so a thing linked to that. But in the so previous examples where the player's got to go yeah. at the end of it, so step one, get through the run as a player. Yeah. Step yeah. two, talk to your storyteller. Yeah, and hopefully they the can story, adjust. Hopefully, the storyteller can make an adjustment because it's not a fundamental premise of the world. If it is a fundamental premise of the world and the storyteller can't make or is unwilling to because of reasons, make an adjustment. Kim, yeah, Kim started saying raisins. He was yelling at me about it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a more back. open frame of mind at the moment. I don't know why. This podcast has unlocked. <laughs> unlocked his potential. Yeah, it's freed his mind. It's unlocked a 50G achievements. What it's done. Raisins spewing out of the recorder. So. You were talking about the previous examples. Yeah. Uh, You'd just gotten to... And uh, the storyteller can't change it for whatever reason. The storytellers can't change it. Either the player accepts this and continues to play on with the game, or they leave. Now, ideally, when a player has to leave, it's them that initiate the leaving. Mm. In this social situation, it may have to be the storyteller that actually has to confront the issue and say, Hey, man you've got a problem with this game, but you're not leaving the game and I'm not going to fix it for you. And you don't seem to want to go, like yeah. We, I don't want to kick you out, but 
I'm, I'm getting it. It's, it's like it's like the, I, I, you either accept I have an, this I have an or example. I kick you out. Mm. I have a real world example. Apparently, the president of the United States cannot fire uh, certain members of his staff, so he has to suggest they resign. I think that's the kind of thing you're going yeah, for. You have to exactly. suggest they resign from their position. Um, I've forgotten what I was going to say about what Billy was saying before, but that doesn't really matter. Whole ideas are fleeting anyway. We're forgetting a lot of ideas tonight. It's oh, very relaxed. Thankfully, thankfully, we've got like another 24 minutes to go. Because we're at 36. But who's counting? Uh, I am. Oh, well. I'm going to work out hand gestures so I can tell you guys who can't see the clock how far through it we are and things yeah, like that. Yeah, except that I was also checking my... Oh, I forgot that you had a watch. I believe So it was guys. only Billy who was in the dark. Billy yeah. can see the clock. It's only you that can't. Well, I was about to tell you. How yeah, this is, how this how is, this is great stuff that everyone wants to listen to. I could edit this out. I'm not gonna. But just so you know, he could have. I could have. I totally could have. Could have dick. It's right in the middle of the thing, and it's only taken up like 30 seconds. Okay, me. anyway, Billy, you had a point. Oh, you had a point, point about either players leaving or... Yeah, players leave. I've never had to kick out a player. Um, I've, as a player, I've been in a game where I wish that another player oh, that was the thing I was had either, you know, bothered to actually learn what was going on or yeah. had left. Can you so let's talk about sorry you go I'll remember my thing can you talk about that with the storyteller you can could. you as another player go ahead and say hey I think Jimmy fucking Jimmy isn't invested here and he's actually proving to be a dead weight I mean you could bring it up but you wouldn't want to say to the I, I would say if it was me talking to the GM I wouldn't say I think that they're a dead weight you should kick him out I'd say I'm not sure. I think that such and such is actually bringing down the tone and of the game, and it's certainly making it harder for me to enjoy. Now, obviously, if you don't agree, I will persevere. But I just wanted to let you know that that is a concern. So you guys wouldn't recommend going to that player first? On the oh no, definitely basis. bring it up with the player. But for whatever reason you want to yeah. take it to the GM, I don't think that you should say to the GM, "I want you to kick out this person," because that could be seen as ulterior motive or whatever like it could be you you, you as the GM might not know why they want that person kicked out it depends out or, as well like on the like, or if those or if another example as to why I wouldn't want to say to the GM kick that person out is what if me and that person normally don't get along um, it might be seen as that's just our natural conflict even though it may not be coming from that at all um, it's another reason why I wouldn't want to say kick him out as I said it depends as well on the DM like there yeah. are DMs that I would not if I went to them I would already assume that it would be ineffective because they either would not pass it on or would do so in a yeah. not effective way yeah it wouldn't do anything about it. Uh, but there are DMs that I think you know it would actually giving feedback would actually really help oh I I always ask for feedback at the end of my games I actually I sent the players in one game a questionnaire mid-campaign <laughs> And some of them had no, no answers. They're like, I don't know how to provide you the feedback you Back require. On, yeah, slightly towards the topic, good players will give you feedback without yeah. being asked. Yeah, without being prompted. Uh, and that's generally the feedback that's most worthwhile. Something that I want as another player is... Uh, yeah, I, I want someone... 
that is invested. I think I've already talked about this. There was another thing that I wanted. Struggling to find that point, you forgot. I know. Oh, yeah. Investment seems to be a common thing here, yeah. both from a DM perspective. Don't, don't and cheat. From another, oh my god, uh, another player's. Oh, that's the other thing. Learn your fucking rules. As another player, like if all the other people in the fucking game know how their shit works, it doesn't matter if your shit is more complicated. If you chose that character, unless they're pre-gens and they were assigned to you for whatever reason, learn your powers, your abilities, your fighting mechanics, whatever it is, uh, or skills. Sometimes uh, skills can be uh, not as straightforward. Um, one example in Eclipse phase, the protocol skill. Kim and I both didn't understand exactly what it was. Kim had chosen it for one of his characters for whatever reason. Um, and we re re we researched this before the game began, and then and worked out what situations the protocol skill is applicable in, and it was fine. Exactly. But if, if we hadn't done that, and I'd just be like, um, I've got this skill over here. Can like I roll protocol in this situation? I don't know, Kim. What does protocol do? Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I I really do do that in games. I say um, when it, when somebody asks me, and I'm the GM, what a certain thing does, and it's in the middle of a game. Uh, I will normally say, what do you think it does? Uh, for skills, uh, especially, um, this has happened a few times with Eclipse Phase, where the majority of the skills, if you take a second to think about them, it's pretty easy to work out what they are. Um, protocol being one of the few exceptions. Psychosurgery would be another example, but I don't want to get too far into yeah. that. Um, say something really... I normally say... What do you think it means? And I don't mean that as a you. Sh I don't mean that in the way of you should fucking know what it means. I mean it in the way of stop for a second, try and think through the process of what those words could mean, then say it to me. And if you're wrong, I will correct you and let you know what it actually means. Um, it's, it happened recently with Eclipse Face. Another thing is if I tell you to write down your equipment. Right, right down, down your, your fucking equipment. equipment. This happened with Kim. Uh, not Kim, sorry. I don't know what I said Kim. Kim's, Kim, Kim was actually quite good about it. Uh, <laughs> this happened with another player. I, I, I don't want to name them. I don't, I don't want to name players when I'm bringing up their negative points for all the internet to then rag on it them later. It happened to another player and the situation was... Indeed. And I told them in advance, please write down your stuff. And I gave them like a week, maybe two... Uh, of space and time to get this and they had access to the materials and then it got to the game and right in the middle of a situation like oh I want to fire these weapons and I'm like okay do you have the damage written down for those weapons what's the range what do you need to roll it's like I don't know I don't have it written down I'm like I told you to write it down it's just really annoying when you when you provide ample time to do something, Especially or what you perceive as ample time. Obviously, sometimes that can be hard. Which I guess is really, uh, like, uh, maybe people listening think it's a really basic thing. I probably do, because I'm bringing it up as, I think it's a really basic thing. But finish your character sheet. Oh yeah, yeah. fill it in. Like, everything on the character sheet needs to be filled out, because yeah. that's the character. The character's not finished until everything that isn't like notes or damage yeah. taken yeah. is filled out yeah. on the you, character sheet. Unless the GM has specifically said you don't need this yeah. for 
this game. This game. Like, if for some reason you're running a running a one shot of Eclipse Phase, we use the Eclipse Phase example, and you were like out and like, uh, I suppose the gate crashing one that you actually ran could have been basically this. Mm. We didn't really need rep. Yeah, no, you didn't really need rep. So um, that could have been a dispensable mechanic. Like if it's saying yeah. assign rep, we could have gone, don't need to do that. Indeed. Not really going to talk to anybody. Don't really need rep. Fuck it off. We'll Although some people... We'll, we'll, we'll um, just play the game. Some people had intended to use those characters for other games. It may be obvious, but it's happened before. Like You can't turn up to the start of a game and not have your character sheet empty and need to then write it all down. Unless yeah. you were turning up early and you have organised yeah. with the GM People, that you are going to complete your character there. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot turn up at the start time. So let's say Raymond GMing a, a whatever game says... I'm GMing a lot of games in these hypotheticals. Which yeah. is totally true. Everyone everyone get to mine at 12. Yeah. We'll run from 12 until 5, 6-ish when it's going to finish. And then player X... Turns up and Turns they don't. Up. It's not going to be me or Billy because we always come with completed characters. But somebody else turns up somebody and they don't have their character fully. And forward. they're just like, I haven't done my equipment yet at twelve, and it's yeah. just like, I can do it now. Especially when, yeah. especially when you've had like a month's notice. It's like you could have called the GM. You could have called one of the other players. You could have. There's so many other options. Um, yeah. Linked to having your character sheet filled out, knowing your rules, uh, to broaden that, be organised. Like, no... I really like punctual players, and I like committed players, but that, that's a topic for another time. <laughs> I don't... Yeah, I, I want people to be on time. Uh, I want people to have everything planned out. Yeah. I so don't communicate to... with your GM. Like, if oh, communi- a that's that's a brilliant one. I don't know why I haven't thought of that yet. Communication is key. If, if, if you're going to be late to a run for whatever reason, don't just be like, no, it'll be fine if I'm half an hour late. Yeah. Text someone, message them, call them, send a pigeon, whatever. Like, oh, try not to send a pigeon. <laughs> but if that's, if that's all you got. If that's all you got, like... Smoke signals if you really. If have you're trapped to. in a World War One tank, send a pigeon. If you're down a well, send Lassie. You know, so like, just communicate with your GM whenever there's a problem. Yeah, whether yeah. that's a problem with another player, whether that's a problem with the day that you're running it, whether that's a problem with the theme of the campaign, or even if whether it's not that's a problem a... and you have a cool idea or something. Oh yeah, suggesting yeah. suggesting um, possible. And don't hooks. be afraid of charging on with a plot hook that you've thought of mm. during the run in character. Yeah. You don't um, have to pre-organise this with your GM. Yeah. Providing like if, that the GM is not like, yeah, you six. must confirm, conf- conform. Yeah. With the confirm. 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 confirm your you confirmation. Must, you must conform to the, yeah. Yeah. To the um, plot of this. Billy and I uh, managed to in a game, uh, and it was it wasn't even as part of the main campaign or part of the main oh, plot. That was great. We had managed to work into pursuing the main plot. We had managed to do it in a way that allowed Billy and I to basically create like three different cults, all with and the same name. Total credit to the storyteller for rolling with that. Oh, she she, she did that really. She well. was completely thrown off kilter, and it was the first campaign she'd run, and it was only like the third. It might have even yeah. been the second game. Uh, she rolled with it really well. It was um, 
Wait, I was, so I was really, that. I was really surprised by how well she managed to deal with it. Uh, in all honesty, um, so points to you, person who totally knows who they are. Person yeah. X. Like, Thanks, random citizen. I guess if we're not going to be mentioning names for people with. I guess negative. that's a positive thing, but yeah. negative things don't. I prefer not to name people negatively. We probably shouldn't name people at all. Okay. Not. Anyway, I have asked people. Oh, and again, in the obvious line for making good plays, regardless of if you're an other player or a storyteller. You don't want players who are going to be dicks to people. Like, everyone makes mistakes, but you don't yeah. need to jump down on people's throat or That's put players, down. not characters. Yeah. yeah. Characters can be yeah. dicks to oh, people. Oh, for sure. Players. Oh, that's the thing that I want as a player. I want people that are going to talk to me in character. I was, I was about yeah. to bring this up. I was as about to say, if you roll a subterfuge or equivalent role, yeah. then you as a player have to think up a convincing lie that your character mm. would say. Like, like you can't it, say, like your subterfuge lies I did 17 convincingly. Like, yeah. like don't yeah. say, oh, I, I, diploma- I rolled diplomacy and I did really well, so I convince you. And like, one, in most systems, you can't actually use... There's no brainwashing mechanic. Yeah, you can't PCs. actually use social skills on other players anyway. Uh, in some games, you can. Uh, but it should never be uh, brainwashing unless you actually have that as an actual power. Uh, one way to use social skills, actually, uh, in that situation, if a player wants to roll diplomacy to convince someone else, rather than having them roll diplomacy and that's the end of it, have them roll diplomacy and then the GM give them advice on how to phrase that. That works. That works, but it's not something you want to always be doing. Yeah, you don't want to be constantly saying, okay, so this is the way you can say this. I mean, the obvious problem with this is that some people are just not as good at thinking on their feet. And some people are more comfortable talking as characters than others. Obviously, I'm really comfortable with it, but then again, I have actually, I actually, both Kim and I actually both went to performing arts school. um, Yeah, indeed. And I, I majored in drama. So I'm really keen on. Character voices, yeah, in character oh stuff. His character's facial expression. Character voices, by the way, just as a sidebar, they don't have to be accents. They can just be uh, certain phrases that they use a lot. Yeah, tone, various things. Saying technical a lot. One day I will get around to making an Australian character in a thing, probably Eclipse Face. It's got room for Australians. Space Australians. Come to Space Australia. You might accidentally get shot with a plasma gun. Uh, yeah. It makes a good change from the spiders. Yeah. Plasma. <laughs> plasma, that's not as hot as uh, Australian summer. <laughs> Just bounces off their chest, burning away their clothes. Australians get plus 10 energy on. You call this hot, mate? I'll show you hot. You got a plasma gun? I've got SCF 30 plus. Get him, Skippy! <laughs> Cyber room. <laughs> Taser pouch. Um, wow, let's just take a second to appreciate that. That, that. was a, that was an interesting I was side trip. in that game. Oh, now I know how to get Billy to play more Eclipse Space. <laughs> Throw, uh, super... Throw ridiculous comic book-esque super villains into yeah. it. Yeah. We'll run Eclipse Space, but we'll use Dirty World. 
Um, Bush Ranger. Yeah. Um, right, where were we? We're talking about what we like as players and GMs. Uh, oh, we're talking about something yeah, better. Yeah, I, I, really, I really like people that... So there's a, often a thing that happens in a game where it's like, oh, so what are we going to... What's the plan here? How are we going to do... Plan in character. Like, obviously, it's more expedient to just plan out otherwise. But planning as your character would be a really interesting immersion thing. Yeah, and um, just to recap, like, this is what we think makes good play as well. Like, some players just want to, don't want to do anything with the role playing. They just want to get in there, roll Some the players dice, are there to the game role, yeah. like, they're more focused on the role playing game. Capital letters game. Bold. No italics? Yeah, yeah, I guess you could bold end italics if you want. How would you pronounce that? Underline it, increase font size, yeah. Yeah. add a shadow, put it in word art, Surround make it spin it. into the screen. Ooh, game! Yeah, so some people want it game, whereas other people want it role uh, play. They want to be, they want to inhabit their character. Um, I want to be in their character. I like to I personally go for a balance. I mean, I lean more towards playing the role, but I also, I'm also acknowledge it's a game. I certainly find when you're letting yourself to the role other people playing their roles, you can have a lot more fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat the drink. Fucking <laughs> Dickhead. Actually I will <laughs> I will hopefully remember this. I will actually bring up Tanayuak uh, in the letting go of characters thing because yeah. I actually planned that character's death uh, with the GM. Fair yeah. Enough. There you go. An interesting point that I just came up with, uh, which in regards to the role rather than the game, like the game is the paper, but the paper isn't the character. The character comes out through the role, which means that you as a player really need to have a very strong concept of what your character would and would not do, which ties back into that detrimental thing. It's just like, you look at the GM, you raise the eyebrows, you make the expansive hand gestures and you say... Sorry, man. I've got to open the box. And then, uh, character, you open the box. Yes. And then, and then bad pain things. into yeah. the world. And this goes something. back to what I was saying before as well about not being afraid to do things that will impact you detrimentally because yeah. your character would do Rather it. than making it. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like the GM asks, if the GM asks you to make characters specifically to hunt your normal characters you fucking go create. at it wholehearted. Your character's yeah. a shape-changing dragon, fucking learn how to kill shape-changing dragons and build your character to do it. Your character can supernaturally heal, make your character hunting them full of deadly toxins. Yeah, dub-dub-YCD. So good. Dub-dub-YCD. Oh. Instead of alternatively making a character whose explicit purpose is not to uh, hunt the character. Oh, especially when you're meant to be playing monster hunters. And you decide to play a monster hunter that sympathizes with monsters, like No no not monsters, just just yeah, that just, one monster. Just that one monster. Okay, that one monster we'll get off that bit of train. Yeah, we'll get off that bit of train. We are getting yeah. close to the end. Yeah. Uh, so Dub Dub Y C D. I don't know what that means. What would your character do? Mm. Oh, oh um, my god, that's fantastic. Making uh, sort of linked Dumb to Dumb making your characters and what Kim said about inhabiting the role and whatnot. Um there are lots of different ways. Oh, that's something that I loved. Characters, sorry, this is more important than what I was going to say and is actually on topic. It better be. Characters, <laughs> players that make that make efforts to have their characters linked backstory, especially in games like 
D and D and Pathfinder and stuff, uh, where you're an you're ad- a wizard. We need a yeah, wizard. where you're a ran- where you're meant to be the random adventuring party. It's far more interesting if the characters have links together. I think it's nice, but not essential. No, it's not yeah. essential, but it's a thing that I like in other players. Or even if a few, I, 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 just, I just think it's quaint. I think it's like something that if that's what you want to do, then from a DM perspective, it's just like yeah. if that's what you I want mean, to do to give your character more substance, then that's what you want to do. As a player, I do not feel particularly driven to forming yeah. pre-existing so- associations with between my character and other people's characters for fluff, party cohesion, whatever, whatever the yeah. I, I like reason. it both as a I like it as a player more. I also like it as a GM though because it makes it easier to, to get the players why they're, why they're one why they're all together and two why they stay together. Like the random adventuring party. Oh, you're all on a ship. The ship crashes. Now you've got to get back to civilization. Okay, we get back to civilization, then we go on our random paths. It's like, but that only took two runs. The campaign's meant to go for a year. Now I need to get you guys to stay together. It's like if you actually had some bonds. Uh, Billy and I have played um, brother and sister, father Ah, and son. Uh, And when I say brother and sister, we were uh, Ah. shape changes. So we were brother and sister, sister and sister, brother and brother, brother and neuter, brother and... Yeah, there's a lot of combination there. And and playing father and son was... I did enjoy that, actually. It was really fun, playing father and son. That racist prick. Um, We've actually got plans to play in the future as a warrior duo where Billy will be the samurai and I will be the counterbalance to his samurai uh, in the... What is the TV trope? Not Red Oni, Blue Oni, it's the other one. Lancer and something. I don't know what the something is. Uh, I, I think it's like just say, I think it's just Sword and Lancer. Okay. Um, which is, like, one repre- le- represents the long range. Yeah. yeah. The, the Lancer is always the inverse of the saber in that uh, context. So if, uh, if the... Anyway, it's not relevant. Kim makes an excellent point. It's not relevant. <laughs> eyebrows. Uh, yeah, I really, I really. Like, my point is, I really like players that um, that make an effort to find reasons to stay together. I don't know. I think that it's nice, and it might provide a little bit of extra party cohesion. But I think that the player's emotional investment. Here we go. Investment. Fucking again. Investment in, just seems to be the buzzword. Investment. Emotional investment in the campaign is enough for them to find reasons why. Their characters would stay together even if they don't have a particular and a good DM. Type. Yeah, also, also, if they you don't do that, reasons. then you fix some shit players yeah. and maybe it's time to just cut your losses. Also, if you're a good GM, <laughs> you will find ways to keep them together, like that don't railroad and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or even, like, making them part of the same organization and. Anyways, or, or there's a around it. But, that being said, Having an association within the party does actually give in-character emotions Mm. that the DM can have a lot more fun playing with, and as a result, you as the player, a lot more fun playing with. Like, Mm. it is... It takes an exceptional, in my opinion, GM to get you caring about an NPC. Yep. But it I've only, gotten to a point where I try not to do that at all now. But it only like, takes... I don't, I, I'll, I'll rephrase in a second. It only takes a good GM to get you caring about another player. Yeah. Yeah. When you have that association, if you're just like, why would I care about John? Yeah. He's a dickhead who constantly gets me blown up all the time. 
Yeah, I'm glad he's over there bleeding out. I'm not going to help him. Yeah. But if John's your brother, yeah, your little brother, even he'd just be like your son. Yeah, he's always like getting me into trouble, but I'm always there to get him out. Optimism. And then, yeah, what I yeah, you get in there. Off, yeah, you get in there and out. quell the bleeding and save his life. And, and, so you and don't you dare blow me up again or else and I won't save you next time. And he does it and you just kind of smile. Uh, class, a little wackily Classic whack. John. Anyway. What I said before <laughs> may, may make it sound like I purposely avoid trying to make the character players care about characters. That's not what I meant. I meant I don't, I don't set out with my goal in mind to make the players care about the NPCs. Just as a Be side note for the Pendragon, because it's an ongoing campaign, I wouldn't actually mind you setting out with some NPCs to make me care about them. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, um, but my point is, I have found mm. that when I try to make characters... I, I, I've, I have a problem, and this comes back to it. I hated Barnabas. Yeah. Oh, yes, he Although was I a did, fucking dick. I did make him to be an asshole. Um, I've... <laughs> I don't like GMs that, for whatever re reason, try to make the story about the characters they've made. Um, it's fine to have NPCs that are interesting ah, and stuff yes. like that, but you want to be really careful about making your NPCs the focus of the story. And I have, I admit that I have trouble with this as GM, so I try to avoid making... I consciously didn't try to make that decision not to make my characters be... The focus of stories, so I don't. I, I, I'm not. I'm not really explaining this concept. Well. No, but the way that I think that you, I understand what you're talking yeah. about. The, the way yeah. that I think that you can actually get around that is by saying is by making the NPCs significantly less powerful than the playing characters, mm. and then the playing characters actually basically take a, a like on a white knight kind of complex, yeah. where which is going to work great in Pendragon because you are yeah. going to be the most powerful beings. Yeah, around. nothing. Exactly. Is so there's this NPC. That you have a, an emotional attachment to, yeah. because because of this little brother example or whatever. Yeah. You want to save it, you want to help it, you want to make it better, kind of thing, rather than oh, oh, I'll draw on this because it's the one that springs to mind, the Barnabas one. Whereas they were the they were a more powerful vampire than the player character vampires, yeah. and and so I, the, point, I, the I, think, I think you end up in a lot of trouble there because yeah. then the players can't do what they want to yeah, do yeah. because the GM can veto them in game with a more powerful NPC. There's also there are I as a as an as an outside observer of my own game, which doesn't really work, I I understand why I did that and I recognize how I got into that mindset. Yeah. And a flow on is it really problematic from the more powerful characters then nothing's more frustrating when they swoop in and save the day, yeah. so to speak, because then they're taking away agency from the players, uh, and it's... I actually, great, I so actually yeah. had this problem in the Star Wars game <clears throat> with the Jedi robot. I shouldn't have had him do the thing. That wasn't... I Virgil mean, is a good example. I mean, he did an NPC that was probably of an appropriate level. I guess, although you guys didn't really grow to love him. He didn't have... He could have made... He fucking healed me! He never Why healed... Why can't you heal me, Virgil? Why can't you heal He never healed us in the way that we Actually, wanted to be healed. Virgil is a really shit... <laughs> they hate him! <laughs> he, was a, he was a fine character, but... Yeah, 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 we from a player's not, not perspective. Really. 
Also, I'm gonna say like you can have a, an NPC come in and save the day, like, but if they're consistently doing yeah. so, then maybe you should be playing instead of running because you know yeah. you're obviously wanting to get this character and do certain things. I certainly think that I'm a far better player than I am a GM. Yeah, possibly. yeah. Okay, I'll so that, that's another thing uh, to do with the players having an, emo an emotional investment with an NPC. It can be done, but it needs to be done because the GM doesn't. Explain. So I know what you mean. The GM can't have an emotional investment in the character. Yeah, I'm with you that, now. The, that you're trying to get the yeah. players to yeah. have an emotional investment in. So if you are completely neutral as a GM and your players love him, that's that's you, success. You've, you've won. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that's, uh, that's as good as you're gonna get. Without having really realised yeah. it, that's the kind of thing I was trying to get at. Like I'm I'm trying not to be attached to my NPCs. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And I'm trying not to force the players to think about NPCs in certain ways. I'm just trying to let the NPCs be and the players develop their feelings about Indeed, it one way or the other. Conclusions and form their own. Which, which I did, I which did requires a lot of exposure though. Yeah. I like yeah. to think that I did alright with that with the Wild Talents games. Like I had NPCs pop up but I never really pushed them. Um, I never had NPCs really swoop in and be the vital saving plot point in... Mm. That um, it was more they were quest markers or doing things in the background that enabled the players oh, no, to accomplish an, their an goals. An NPC as a plot point could be interesting, like an escort. Uh, oh, cool. yes and no. I like um, I have a especially when you combine it with the um, less powerful than the players because mm. it can be quite interesting if you have to protect this individual but yeah. Yeah, sorry I, we digress but I will put that in I my mean we later. get to decide how long these podcasts are there's no rule that says they have to be 60 minutes yeah but I'd like long. them to be of at least 60 minutes so we've achieved that so yeah, when we run out of yeah. stuff we can now stop talking yeah. <laughs> we don't have to <laughs> we don't have to push on <laughs> Um, we don't have to push our NPCs of words. Just no, go, go do the thing. What were we talking, oh, talking about? What it was like thirty about? seconds ago. Yeah. We were talking about non-attachment yeah. of GM yeah. to NPCs and how if you're trying to get your players to have an attachment yeah. to an NPC, you really need to you really need to not care. Yeah. You need to care. You need to care about your player's attachment, yeah, rather than your attachment to the NPC. Okay, so then how? I'm really when you're making this NPC, like how obviously you want to remain neutral, but how yeah. much are you trying to well, sort well, of give the play hooks that the players yeah. can use? Well, normally, to be well, 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 the motivation from that. I mean, you can com you can make an NPC completely from an objective mm. an objective standpoint. Yeah in terms of its creation, but the emotional motivation for you as a GM comes from the fostering of the connection between the, your playing characters and your NPCs. Yeah. So your PCs and your NPC. That's where you derive the joy and that's where they derive the joy. So everyone's getting joy and... <laughs> everyone's getting joy, happiness, Thai massages from the same place. <laughs> Thai massages? <laughs> Um, True meaning Christmas. <laughs> From the same place. I want to be. I want to come around to your place for Christmas. It's not, it's not like it's not like G GM NPC attachment yeah. and PC NPC attachment. And you're both getting your happiness, your enjoyment out of the game from those two mm. things. You're actually getting it out of the same attachment, and that just happens to be from the playing character perspective. I think that's how you make a good yeah. NPC 
that mm. your playing characters can connect with. Something that I've seen a bit in our player groups is in campaigns. We got into a bit of a habit, and this was already present when I first started gaming uh, in our groups and whatnot. Um, started at the same time I did. Indeed, you? but yeah. Caitlin, Zandra, Kim, uh, and Jeremy had all had a bit more experience than us at that point. No one really wanted to have family um, because they were afraid that the family would be uh, used yes, as that leverage. That was notorious for. Uh... Yeah, they'd like kill the kill the character or whatever just to try and make you feel. To the point where. As Raymond said, no one had family because it was a given that at some point there would be tragic would be involved things. in something tragic. And I certainly would like to see more character, more, more. I'd like to see more players having family. Well, consider I, I think that you are GMing a system that's going to really foster that. Considering that, yeah. oh yeah, Pendragon, goddamn chapter devoted <laughs> to the damn stuff in the core rulebook. Pendragon, you have to have family or else you're not going to be able to play the game because yeah, like you could go mad or die. Family is everything. You can go mad a lot easier than you can die in Pendragon. Woo! So if you go mad, you, you need that. You need that family tree. And if you and if you haven't rolled well and rolled a son, then you're going to be playing a lady. Which would actually be interesting. Anyway, yeah. anyway, I want to. I want to see. I want to see players. I want to see players have families and investments and girlfriends and stuff, and have them initiate conversations. A lot of the times, so in my Wild Talents game, there were characters that had. Uh, there was one character that had a child, um, and there was another character that had a brother, and there was one character that actually um, I ended up. I ended up, I dangled an NPC, I'm like, I'm going to see, I'm going to have this character try and seduce them, but I wasn't really counting on them actually ending up dating. Uh, and a lot of the times the conversations with the, those characters, with those NPCs, were initiated by me, when really I want the, I want the player char- player's characters to be going to those characters and talking to them. I want you to be like, you know what, I'm going to go s- see what my husband is doing, uh, because I've just got home from robbing a bank and he thinks that I just got home from teaching history. Uh, I'm going to go see what my husband's up to. Also, just as a quick tie-in, as a DM, you do not want players fostering these relationships purely as an end to a means to get a bonus or unlock a thing. Yeah, yeah that links yeah. to Pendragon, where it's basically just so that you can continue playing. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that. Not necessarily. I think that the... the this comes back to what you were explaining in the last podcast about explaining com- uh, concepts where you said that Eclipse Phase was a horror game and that changed the way that I approached the game. Mm. I realised as a player that family is going to be a massive part of playing knights. Of, of mm. playing knights and playing Pendragon yeah. and caring for your family. And I think there's also a passion. Yeah, you can yeah. have passion for your family and stuff. That ties that ties into this as well. So there's mechanical bonuses, but because of these mechanical bonuses, like and the way that they are such a for that they are at the forefront of the book, of the core rule book. They're right on the front page of the character sheet too. So that's how you know something is important to a yeah. game when it's on yeah. the character sheet. That you really need to be thinking about your character as part of the role as well as the game. Yeah. That's a really good way of describing that. Yeah, the role <laughs> in the game. Yeah. yeah. 
the two halves of what can I say I'm a genius of playing a character is you have the game and the role the role and the game anyway you remind me of the game what game the game with the roles what roles fat roles anyway <laughs> uh yeah so what were we we're talking about family yeah, okay yeah we're talking about family forming attachments oh, and, yeah, al- okay. and also initiating conversations with NPCs most of not the necessarily t- because you want anything but because un- because well, most just because t- you want to have a talk as the player character yeah. uh, I usually regard NPCs and this is probably a fault in my role playing yeah. as functional yeah. so an NPC is there to complete a function and it's yeah. my role as the gamer to work out what that function mm-hmm. is and then exploit it. I guess but I'm never really looking to have interactions with NPCs because. Yeah, yeah so I mean linking to that, it's a, a matter of theme. If it's a D game, then I mean really I'm not I'm playing that to be the heroic story focus mm party adventurer guy I'm not playing that to delve deeply into a role which is certainly a thing you can do obviously we've talked about this previously but if I'm playing I don't know it depends on the tone of the game obviously if you're playing Dirty World which is a role playing game that is built to basically emulate gritty pulp uh dinner parties from what I have seen <laughs> I have only seen it be used to play 1930s era dinner party games or Eclipse Phase dinner party games like it's like the setting is you're at a dinner party and something goes wrong there's a murder or the murder is the art piece at the centre of it for the Eclipse Phase one the maid dropped the cutlery <gasps> Find out how. Yeah, so like... <laughs> how, how did you drop this? She rolled... She um, fumbled. She, she rolled flat coordination. And fumbled. And got a one. Yeah, so... Uh, um, <laughs> or 99, rather. There are certain yeah, games... There are certain games and certain themes and stuff where talking is more important. And and if you, if you want to explore the role of your character and get into the mindset of your character just talking to other people uh, other people within the world can help with that like if um, and even and you can even use just normally talking to people as a way to get benefits for your character in the way that you might be playing a game where in a setting where it's really important to foster relationships with people uh, develop contacts if it's like an espionage type game and things like that in which case, just having a normal conversation with someone and seeing how they're doing can totally end up helping you in the long run. Um, the GM might decide at that point, because you've decided to go talk to someone, to drop in to drop in a um, sorry, I just got a bit sidetracked. To like from you talking to someone might then link it into a plot point. Like, yeah, I've been having a hard time at work. And then a few runs down the road, and it's like, remember I told you I was having a hard time at work? Turns out my boss, who's actually an eldritch horror from Beyond the Stars, can you help me out? Oh, yeah, I might be able to lend a hand. I know a little bit about the mythos. Two hours later, please roll new characters. <laughs> yeah, everybody roll new characters as you are at full insanity. Something like that. Which ties back in to our original point of talking to characters, NPCs, for the sake of talking to NPCs, gives you access 
to source material. Yes. Which aids in immersion, which gives you investment. Investment is, I think, I think the main thing to take away from this is investment <laughs> is the most important That's thing. That's the watchword of today, kiddies. <laughs> yeah, investment, communicate with your DM. Yeah. Don't be a dick. I think this run had a lot more, this, this episode had a lot more uh, sidetracking. Certainly um, so. But it was, mm. I'm sure it was all informative and I really hope that it was entertaining. Yeah, we hope you've learned something. Uh, we enjoyed doing it. Um, if you like this podcast, um, please uh, share it with your friends. Um, we'd love to get more views and stuff. We're, we're still small at the moment, so we'd love uh, that all to be spread around. Um, also, uh, please check out our actual play uh, recordings. Uh, we originally started the site for that purpose. Um, Who knows, we might find out why the maid did drop the cutlery. Maybe I will do a Dirty World game where that will be the focus. A maid who dropped cutlery. It's possible. She dropped the soup, you've got to find out what happened to the soup. Why did she drop the soup? Maybe there's an ulterior motive. What's she hiding, Kim? Yeah, something people don't do is that they don't take mundane things to the extreme anymore. Anyway. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. We'll find out in the next... Uh, if, you guys, if you guys have an idea um, for a future episode, please suggest it in the comments. Uh, you can actually comment on our blog without being a member of WordPress. Uh, you can comment as a guest. Uh, and, yeah. Do you guys have anything you want to say along those lines? Pretty much covered my stuff. Now I've got to get these guys to advertise it on their Facebooks and blogs. Oh. I advertise it by word of mouth. Mm. Oh, well, that's good, I guess. I don't have as much opportunity to advertise by word of mouth. Anyway, uh, then we'll... S- oh, yeah. Farewell from the, f- from the past. I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And, and you've, you've been, been listening, listening to, to The Crusading, Crusading Couch. Couch. Good spot, Kim.